Hey guys, this is Coach Keita Bussey, Grant Chancellor Madison, and today we've got Sam Callahan of Callahan Training Group. We're going to talk about the Smart Move class on movement that they've both taken. Then we're going to get into what Sam does with his company and how he's gotten to the point he is now. Welcome to the 180 Firearms Training Podcast. But Sam, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm Sam Callahan. I'm uh, based out of New Jersey which right away is a weird place to be for guns. So uh, I started the USPSA game probably about 10 years ago and didn't have anybody to guide my path. So once I got to the masterclass territory, I figured, hey, I'll be that guy and here I am. So what I do is a lot of, uh, I describe personal training with firearms. I take people from, hey, I don't know what to do, but I would like to be here. I'm here, I wanna be here. So I bring people out to the range I more or less assess what they're good and they're bad at. And I work with them on a personal level. So I do a lot of, um, you need this, you need that stuff. Nothing's one size fit all. So that's kind of why I got into what I did is I, uh, I wanted to find a way into firearms. Everything was go to this class, listen for eight hours, take a test, go home, and you'll never hear from them again. So I'm trying to be the antithesis of that as far as the firearms coach goes. I try to take people and be in kind of the back of your head while you're at matches. Uh, when that match is over, you can send me that, hey, I'm frustrated with this performance. How do I make it better? And um, I try to build the community of shooting up as a, a whole because we all win as far as I'm concerned. So, Yeah, you do very individualized training. It's awesome. Yes. Right, so let's jump right into the Smart Move class. You both have taken it. Tell people what that's all about. What are your takeaways? Who should be taking the class? Or do they need some other training before they take the class? So as far as I'm concerned, the second you are proficient with the firearm in general, uh, you should look into taking a Kitabusi class. That's my, my um, that's what I tell everyone is uh, if you need your help getting proficient with your firearm, that's kind of where I come in in the whole Northeast area is I don't know how many people have said, hey, I just got my first firearm, but I'm not exactly sure how to deal with it. Well, that's what I like to do. I'll get you started. I'll get your manipulations down, your draw, get you situation, situated with your belt rig and all your competitive gear. And then once you don't know what to do next, well, here comes Kita. And Kita comes in next, and she's going to be the one to teach you how to take that gun from what you've been doing and go left, right, center, and get all get off the X, basically. So I could, I, I've gotten people from... I've never shot competitively. I don't intend to shot competitively. I've got them to come to your class. Um, I've had people come from the tactical uh, SWAT world. I've gotten masterclass GM PCC people to come and every single person leaves going, oh, okay, I have a much better understanding of how to move around with my firearm in general. Yeah, one of the, I think one of the starting criteria is you need to be able to hit the alpha zone of a hipstick target at 25 yards on demand. It doesn't matter if it takes you a while on demand though. Yes, that's a good point. Once you're subconsciously hitting A zones without a problem and you need something else to do, that's a good place to seek out Kita. Yeah. And I do feel like movement is one of those places where you can take a lot of time off of your runs. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of energy leaks, a lot of things that are easy fixes that will take two or three seconds off of your time for each one of those things. Very low hanging fruit. Yes, absolutely. All right, so Sam, how did you get started? How old were you? So this is always a weird thing. So I've been uh, in firearms since I was about three or four years old. Um, my, I grew up in the 90s around a very uh, Irish uh, 
whatever family like ah, he'll be fine go for it let him have fun so i was shooting like a 22 laying down biathlon style when i was a little little kid because my grandfather was into that uh he was a competitive shooter he was actually a woodworker who would make his own stocks bet his 22 in the socks and uh, he wanted to see how good his stuff was so the competitive shooting nature leaked into my family when i was a little little kid um that turned into bird hunting you can only bird hunt two or three months out of the year in this area so that turned into clay pigeon shooting and i was a new jersey state uh sporting clay champion when i was like nine through 12. i have been in the competitive sports forever my family has always been competitive uh in nature my dad was even a bike bicycle racer he was a professional bicycle racer uh but what ended up happening is i got more more concerned with the practical aspect of shooting. Yes, uh, competitive stuff was fun, but I wanted to learn how to shoot pistols very well, how to shoot rifles very well. So I got into three gun. Um, I got into three gun on my own, as I mentioned, and I spent about 10 years figuring out even what practical shooting was, how to do it competitively, how to do it efficiently. And it, I bumper bowled my way around for the last 25 years, every single competitive sport there is, every uh, competitive shooting sport there is, that is. And I've had a great time learning from every single aspect of every sport. And what I found is a lot of what Kita teaches, and that's why I refer back to Kita. it's efficiency everywhere but the shooting. So Grant mentioned, once you could shoot a alpha at 25 yards, what do I do? It's everything else. It's absolutely mm -hmm. everything else. So it's been a fun way to see the evolution of the sport, but the overall themes stay the same. It's, it's efficiency. It's efficiency in what you do everywhere else. So no matter if I was laying down shooting little 50 meter biathlon shots, a clay pigeon at 75 yards or El Presidente, it's all the same to me. So you said you come from a shooting family. Tell us about your sister. So my sister uh, is a absolute stud with a shotgun. Um, she's on the PSCA ladies tour. Uh, her name's Grace Callahan. She does very similar to what I do, just flying birds. She does break open shotguns, the fancy, fancy stuff. So uh, as I got out of the sporting clay stuff, there is a, um, there's a little secondary reason why. I was starting to get rivaled by my like eight-year-old sister. Uh, my nine-year-old sister was doing almost as well as I was in sporting clay. So I was getting frustrated. I was a 13, 14-year-old kid. So I was like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. I'll do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to hang out with my dad anymore. They can't beat you. If you yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> of course. It was up. To, no, I don't want to do that anymore. It wasn't that my sister was beating me. So I found my way out of the sport. Grace never stopped. Um, Grace now travels the country also competing, doing what I do and teaching and all that stuff just to a crazy high competitive level in the sporting clay world. So it's funny that when we're sitting around at a family dinner at Thanksgiving at Christmas, me and my sister are yelling about the same things and everybody's looking at us like we're crazy, but we <laughs> live the exact same life. And my father's sitting there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Talking to us and everybody's looking at us like we're crazy, but we we've kind of lived the weirdest life ever, but in a very positive way. It's fun. Yeah. I have no one in my family I can talk to about shooting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's odd because me and Grace are, we build the we built our own website we build our own training plans we do our own personal training where there hasn't been a groundwork before what we've done so we bounce a lot of what we do off each other and you know it's very helpful to, to have somebody else who struggles the same struggles you know what i mean and oh yeah not for nothing but my wife is also a entrepreneur in the art world so we all have this like open road work and we don't really know which path to take and we're all just kind of bumper bowling our way around and you know what it's good time it's a good time we're all doing <laughs> what we like in the, the weirdest way Okay, so did you go from then the sporting clays to the three gun side, or yeah, did so you kind of, what did you leave and go to? I, uh, I, you know, it's I don't want to say embarrassing, but it was kind of the stereotypical zombie guy. Like, I want to be prepared for the apocalypse. So, what do you do? You build an AR. Right? <laughs> build an AR 15. Everybody's got to build an AR 15. So, I build an AR 15 with a quad rail that's 45 pounds and it's got to look like the guy, the thing from uh, 
Afghanistan and it's got to be this and that and the other thing. And then you learn pretty quickly, well, where's the course of fire can run this at? I found three gun by accident. So I got into three gun basically as a way to run my three apocalypse guns. I have, a, I have my Glock, I have my AR-15, I have my shotgun. What do I do with them? Well, there's a game. Just go see what I do. My whole life has been competitive. So spoke to me and I realized very quickly that you can have the most expensive, nicest gear in the world. You could be good at taking individual shots, but if you can't connect all the other dots, you're useless. So now, I got I have, very into it. I have personally shot your Glocks and they're pretty beat up. They're pretty old and the triggers are mush. Yes. So I've, I come from a world of, uh, I believe that no matter what, like I will be finding a Glock on the ground. Like I try to come back to my roots of, hey, at the end of the day, I'm trying to shoot the gun that I would put in my pants and run away <coughs> with if I, God forbid, needed it. So I've stayed with Glocks for the last 10 years. I just got back from nationals with my Glock 19. Um, I love shooting my Glocks. Now I know a lot of people, Kita, uh, picks up my Glock after shooting their beautiful CZs and they go, what are you doing? But um, I have I, I have no problem shooting my Glocks anymore. And uh, yeah, I, I find that I've been, I've spent what, the last 12 years shooting Glocks competitively, the time I have into it, I can't overcome by uh, buying more gear. So that is something I end up teaching to a lot of my people is that, hey, if I could sit here and take this 200 yard shot with this Glock 19, you could definitely do that with that fancy gun in your hands. Well, I feel like it's not really worth upgrading your gear until it's actually holding you back. Correct. Like I never got a trigger job or anything. I'm actually still shooting without a trigger job because I'm not outrunning my gear. Correct. And I, I'm a big fan of that attitude. I think that's why you and I get along as coaches too, is we're not sitting here trying to upgrade this, that, and the other thing. I'm just saying, hey, put your mind into this gear, more reps in this gear, and you'll realize the shooting stuff is all in your head. It's all in the efficiency. It's not in the gear. So that's, that's why I really like the performance style shooting. And I got very down the competitive rabbit hole, but I teach the SWAT, I teach the military, I teach the contractors and I teach them competitive style drills and shooting because they're coming <clears> to me <throat> for the efficiency in shooting and the efficiency in shooting just lies in metrics. Uh, how many points can you score in how many seconds? What is that hit factor? Oh, congratulations. We're now competitive shooting. So I just like <laughs> to, to kind of go back to how do you learn efficient shooting? And it's, I look to who's the best in any, anything, how, who's the best bike rider. And you look to the guys who ride tour de France. So you're like, all right, so that's who I want to ride. So who's the best pistol shooter? And people quickly answer, Oh, Jerry Mikulik, uh, JJ Ricasa, you know? So what do they do? Oh, USPSA. Okay. I'll go do that. So I didn't get into USPSA or I didn't get into competitive shooting because I wanted to be the best competitor. I got into it because that's where the biggest challenge lies and that's where the biggest skill is. And that's, those are the guys you want to go be around. So that's, I tried to go get into nationals. And then when you're in nationals and the stage ahead of you is JJ shooting, it's crazy. You were talking about bikes. Tell us what happened on your wedding day. That's a fun story. Oh, this is a fun story. Um, yeah. So I, uh, ironically shooting is the safest thing I do. Uh, I downhill mountain bike, I downhill ski. I do a lot of other dumb stuff. Well, uh, me and my wife got married on uh, a mountain very close to us. Uh, it's where we spent basically our childhood going to ski club, blah, 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 blah. I spent a lot of hours with my then wanting to be girlfriend, now wife. Uh, and we decided, let's go to the top of the mountain and get married. Well, as a guy, I was like, well, I'm bored, right? Like, we're getting married today. Girls take forever. I'm a guy. I'm ready. I'm just going to bring my mountain bike with me. And everybody's like, don't do that, Sam. You really should not. Bring <laughs> don't do that. Like, no, nah, no, no, no. Don't worry about it, man. It's fine. It's fine. I've ridden here a hundred times. Don't worry about it. So bring my mountain bike and two or three of my friends are like, we're babies, basically going to babysit this adult baby. 
and we're gonna watch him and make sure nothing goes wrong. And uh, first run down, trying to warm up, uh, I crashed and knocked myself out. I broke two ribs. Uh, I had a stage two concussion. I broke a couple pieces of my hand. I dislocated my shoulder. It was a mess. I was a mess. Um, I came to, I rode my own bike down, which I don't remember. I got down to the bottom with all my friends yelling at me. That's kind of where I start to remember things. And I, uh, then I'm standing there in my tuxedo holding two suspenders and I go, oh, I hurt myself, didn't I? And that was about 45 <laughs> minutes after the crash that it kind of all caught up to me. But I came to, everything was fine. I limped my way through everything, limped my way through my wedding. I uh, limped my way heavily through my honeymoon and everything was fine. But um, you notice I have a, a little ring tattooed there because the day of when she went to go put my ring on, uh, my knuckle was so broken, you couldn't get a ring over it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah so i um yeah she was being walked down by her uh, father who was uh basically holding her hand saying don't say anything we know his we know his face is bruised we'll tell you why later don't worry about it don't worry about it don't worry about it i was i was slowly developing a black eye i was yeah it was a mess but um yeah ironically shooting is the safest thing i do and that's kind of uh why i love doing what i do now so much because it doesn't come with so. an inherent risk of concussion so even after all that you still said yes you know yeah, yeah, yeah. broken, oh, yeah. Yeah. broken well, body the funny part. thing is i tell that story and people are like oh my god that's crazy what did your wife say and what she said is yeah of course he's an idiot of course he did that like, he brought his bike i was almost <laughs> half expecting it yeah so she's the one person who wasn't surprised she was more angry than anything she's like i told you not to do that stupid oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's why we're together still well and you you also do a lot of crossfit you yes. want to tell us about that yeah, so um, the fitness side of everything I got into was simply to supplement the shooting side. So I got into shooting, I got into three gun, and I quickly realized that moving slowly was killing me, um, in and out of ports was killing me, stuff like that. So I got into fitness just uh, loosely. I'll just say fitness. Um, they have all those DVDs, P90X, everything was kind of getting towards that trend. And then I found CrossFit randomly. I, it couldn't have been more of like a weird serendipity. I had uh, got into the shooting world full time. I had left my machinist job at the time and I needed to supplement my pay because I did not plan to leave a machining job with full-time pay to be a shooting coach. So I was on indeed.com and I saw a fitness coach. I was like, wait a second, fitness coach, 0.6 miles from my house. I followed the Google maps on my bicycle and I found a CrossFit gym that's in like a little warehouse, not 0.6 miles from me. Started doing CrossFit. I walked in and I was like, I can beat these guys. And I got my ass kicked the first like two <laughs> So my competitive side said, well, Screw this. These moms and dads at this place aren't going to beat me. I'm coming at them and I'm coming at them hard. So I got into CrossFit because I was like feeding my competitive nature side, but also getting into the, um, just the, the being shape for anything, the, the general physical preparedness side. So that's what CrossFit is, is general physical preparedness. And that's what shooting is. That's what USPSA is, is how physically fit are you with your firearm? So I show up to the CrossFit gym every day. Like I show up to a match every day and it's the same attitude of what are you bad at? That's probably what you should be practicing. Um, <laughs> what are you good at? Um, you should keep doing that and you should show up consistently every day. Like we do dry fire. So as much as I love doing some of the competitive fitness stuff, it's more about the consistency in between. And I found the attitude of CrossFit of general physical preparedness, being ready for anything, strength and mobility, the balance of being efficient all spoke so heavily to the shooting game that I encourage now most of my shooters to find a local CrossFit gym, get into that, not in the CrossFit side of things, but in the that's the attitude you should be every day is training what you're bad at uh, consistency and staying with it. And I, I've found that the shooting and fitness thing goes hand in hand, hundred percent. The fact that I can move in and out of positions quickly, I can keep my heart rate low. I can uh, squat low into low ports, uh, it's just anything and everything. I can hold my gun up longer, things like that. It's just su super simple for me to apply the fitness to firearms. I I've, I've, I'm thankful that I got into it. I'll say that. 
I didn't yes. plan it. I never, I'm not smart enough to have planned any of that. It just happened. So I'm working on the last chapter of my next book. It's called Train Smart, um, Self-Coaching for Practical Shooting. Chapter 10 is on fitness for shooting. And I've actually created some workouts that you can combine with dry fire in case you're in a time crunch. Mm -hmm. And also different kinds of stretches. You can do either dynamic stretches before a match or static stretches after a match, all those kinds of things. And ran a lot of that by you because it's kind of, you know, your wheelhouse. So yeah, as much yeah. as I do say I am a firearms coach and I coach this <clears> and I coach that, I am a, I'm a, level, a level one certified CrossFit coach, which again, certifications are piece of paper. We all know that as shooters, but that's what I do um, uh, outside of shooting is I'm up there full-time coaching people. So I coach adults. I'm a, an adult teacher, whether I'm teaching you with the firearm or I'm teaching you fitness, I'm teaching adults. And I, I'm really, really like to, to encourage that as a fitness coach too, as a, um, as an adult learning to learn, uh, continuing to learn, continuing to expand your mind, continuing to do things that are uncomfortable for you are a great attitude to continue with firearms or the perfect avenue. And that's why I'm in fitness and firearms. It's just the perfect way to keep smart, active, and um, engaged every day. And I'm lucky enough that I made it my lifestyle. So Sam, are you, are you more sort of looking at the fitness in the side of basically the tactical side of holding a gun up for extended periods of time? So essentially when it comes down to it, yes, I'm looking at um, not just firearms in general, but yeah, being able to hold my body up. My, I always joke that when I get tired, when I'm doing box step overs, I'm, I'm picturing holding one of my dogs on my shoulder. You know, it's never for fitness. It's not for glamor. It's not for glory. It's to make life easy. And firearms physically are demanding. It's, it's demanding to keep a gun up and take a hundred yard shot. We do that in, in uh, three gun a lot where there's going to be an 80 yard plate, hundred yard plate, you know? When you come flying up to a long distance position in three gun and you got a rifle, it makes a big difference if you're breathing heavily or if you can keep that heart rate nice and still. So I, I find that the fitness side just makes the shooting easy. It's not that I'm out there flexing and firearms need to get crushed. You don't need to be the biggest, strongest, fastest guy. It's just that if you are, it is easier. Mm-hmm. So I, it, yeah. it's, it's like you said, being able to take a 25 yard alpha shot on demand is uh, it, it, it makes the rest of the stuff easy. It makes going up to five yards and moving easy. Yeah, the way I look at kind of because I'm more of the EPSIC, USPSA, more EPSIC side, is like, well, my fitness needs to be for the next 40 seconds, I need to go 100%. Then mm-hmm. after that, I can chill and whatever, mm-hmm. but it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So high intensity deep. interval training. High, That's what high I hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So I hear the same thing. That's why I don't get too lost in the CrossFit side of things. I don't pay attention to like the glory of games and all that crap. It's high intensity interval training different things so for you guys especially you ipsic guys you have to run the same course of fire as somebody else right you can't go outside the lines so yeah it definitely makes a difference for you to have a faster 10 yard sprint than the next guy it definitely mm-hmm. does it's, it's there's no chance about it there's not a argument for well i'm going to be more accurate or less accurate i'm going to go out of bounds or not no we both have to go from that line to that line and whoever gets there faster is going to be better off while you're shooting yes separate but your fitness still matters too and i think that's a big thing as far as Keita's class and how she teaches the efficiency side efficiency it's moving from place to place quickly and easily being in control of your body energy leaks things like that it's a big help to be in control of you physically and now the working out thing helps your coordination and helping your coordination and helping your mind your your hand-eye coordination and all of what you do just makes the shooting part easier as well so i I find that it all kind of goes hand in hand yeah tell me about the shirt sitting behind you (laughs) so i'm just 
So uh, my um, my shirts are uh, on my website now, but I started releasing some shirts for shooters. Um, this one is actually something that we went over in class in your class, Gita. Uh, you're beating me with a stick like a like a, a mule, trying to get me to go faster. And basically, the the phrase becomes, "You could shoot at the speed of sight." So uh, my my wife's a graphic designer, a very good graphic designer. So I had her make me some uh, shirts for shooters that weren't so gun tactical bro i'm tough going to valhalla blah 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 so speed of sight becomes one of my shirts that i sell uh, my other one is sooner not faster and i have stickers as well for all these things but it's just kind of one of those reminders in our sport that it's all about the other little things it's it's how fast can you see how soon can you get there how fast can you do all the other little things it's not ripping on your trigger it's all the it's 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 things like how fast can i see how how, how fast can i get my vision from place to place now that's something else that we cover in the smart move class. We do get into vision training. I do a lot more of it now with the new curriculum in train smart, especially eye movement for moving targets and things like that. It gets more complex, but in the smart move class, can you, both of you actually could tell our listeners about the vision training. Mm -hmm. So learning to move your eyes to a smaller zone and keeping it there still is a skill that takes some more practice. And you don't realize that until it is explained to you in Kita's language and is related to you and all the gun stuff we know. And you realize, oh, wow, looking at that target isn't enough. I need to concentrate on the spot on that target. And that is not easy to do. And it's something you need to train like going to the gym. It's something you need to train. Your eyes are muscles. Your, your, your brain is a muscle as far as I'm concerned. So I'm, I'm, I consider all this training you are putting out there with the the black dots and the vision training that's just as important as going to the gym or working on your draw because if you have a fantastic draw but your eyesight is slow as molasses who cares who cares it's transitions that win races not not splits my favorite thing is when we do that vision training drill and i'm actually watching your eyeballs watching for the cicades or smooth visual pursuits or whatever i'm looking for Mm-hmm. how creeped out you get when I see what I see. Yep. So like you'll finish a drill and she'll be like, you were looking at that part of the target, not there. And you process for a second. You're like, wait, I was, wait, I was, how did you know that? And it's like this moment of like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. But it's, it's eyes, it's vision. And, and coming down to realizing your eyes being still or your eyes moving uh, the timing of when your eyes versus um, the timing of your gun, all that stuff is more important than trying to rip off quick splits or trying to throw that gun across the room. If you can't control where it's going. Yeah. So those yeah, vision it. tracking glasses are like $20,000, yeah. obviously <laughs> a little more than I'm willing to spend. So instead what I did was I took training on how to do the same thing. The glasses do just by watching people's eyes that makes sense and that's exactly what you do and it is very effective to a weird and very creepy yeah <laughs> to a so weird creepy. Point. it's very effective it's well i mean i just want to say kudos to kita for standing next to an open gun when the common set is going because uh, i don't even want to be in the same like bay as someone she doesn't flinch either she doesn't, doesn't flinch just staring <laughs> into your soul while you're shooting doesn't flinch it's hilarious <laughs> it's like the open gun won't save you there nope. you'll be surprised how many how many guys um or either there's two problems. Or either just the minute the sights hit brown, they're going, and it's Delta Charlie at best. Mm-hmm. Or they'll throw the their body in this transition so violently that yes, they may get to alpha, or they may just throw the gun completely off the target. Mm-hmm. And it's just a case of well, what either teaches you something to do. Okay, well you can do it super fast, and maybe you'll connect, maybe you won't, or you can do it her way, and it might be a little bit slower but it's going to work 100% of the time. Yes, exactly. Consistency. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's, it's funny because one of the first classes I ended up taking as a competitive shooter, because again, I got into this, first of all, by myself, ignorantly, stupidly, uh, I got a Glock. And funny enough, the first match I went to, I got yelled at for the Glock I used. So I showed up with the Glock that um, my dad bought when I was nine years old, sat in our house forever. Uh, it was a Gen 1 police-issued Plainfield Police Armory. It was in the pla uh, Plainfield riots, even. So, uh, or I'm, yeah, so I had no idea the significance that it held. So I showed up to a match with my Glock. So, well, with, your, with your collector item Glock. Yeah, so beyond that. So I get yelled at the first time I go to a match for that. But um, I, I, I don't really know what I'm doing, clearly. Like, clearly, I'm just getting into this, and I'm just, okay, let's see what happens to me. I don't have a big ego in this. So I'm, I'm prepared to fail. So I failed a bunch of times. The first class I ended up taking was Kita's. <laughs> So Kita ended up- My class was your first class? Yeah, like legit class, like legit competitive class. I had taken some NRA classes, some like basic okay. nonsense classes that again, they're good. You'll always get information out of any class. All right, don't be ignorant. But the first competitive focus class I took for USBSA or competitive shooting in general was Kita's. The reason I took it is because I got into this, like I said, with a Gen 119. I'm clearly not a big spender. I have never had a disposable budget in all this. So I hosted Kita because I got a free slot. When was that, 2018? Right. Like yeah, yeah, I it was, so, it was a while yeah. ago. Yeah. And I had this tiny little range in White House. And when I say tiny, it was a 20 by 20 foot pit in the woods. I'm not joking. And there is like a 400 yard like backstop that way. Like there it was the tiniest little thing ever. But what ended up happening is beyond um, all the minute detail of what I was doing, gun, blah, 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 blah. Kita didn't like pay attention to all that bullshit. It was all about the in-between stuff. How are you moving? How are you using your eyes? What are you doing with your body when and why? and thinking about the efficiency of everything. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, okay, like I can kind of narrow my focus down to my training of the why, of the efficiencies, and then make gear choices off of that. I can make division choices off that. I can make intelligent choices off the efficiencies of the game based on like how Kita broke it down to me. So I definitely credit Kita in my start in getting serious in competition, especially the pistol stuff, uh, the three gun stuff as well, because it just kind of went hand in hand for me. But it, it's, um, it becomes that class becomes more about mindset efficiency, the little things than worrying about how perfectly am I doing this? How, how fast or slow I am. just do it perfectly. Do it Kita's way. We have a problem. <laughs> just, just shut up and do it this way. And it works and watch it happen. And then let it get faster. Let it happen. So but you I, will I, learn the why yeah. you will learn oh, yeah. the research yeah. behind it. And that's it's big, all supported. That's kind of why I teach the way I teach now as well is I, I actually, I fully credit you on that is I have a, um, a Porsche, I have a class I teach every week that is a USPSA class. That's a application-based class that's, I set up three stages for people and you run the stage. And while the rest of the people go and reset it, I talk to you about the good and bad about the stage. The reason I made that class is because we do that for an hour in your class. And all of my students begged me desperately to do that one day. So we just set up three stages. We ran them twice a piece. And now that became so popular that we started doing that. So the way Kita teaches stuff is a big help in the sport. It's kind of like stop looking at things from a, um, a hardcore uh, gun perspective. This is how we've always done things, blah, 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 blah. And let's look at it from a sports science perspective. And let's start looking at it from uh, efficiency and how to make things better just on, on the clock and on your body and things like that. And let everything else be a product of that. Reduce yeah, that dead time. Yeah, but also people have their own strengths and weaknesses and they need to be yeah. able to recognize that, understand that and realize, yeah. well, I can't run the stage like that because I might sacrifice a mic yes. on that far target that I'm not good at. Yes. So it's also, it's also a case of you can't take a grandmaster shooting plan and shoot it the same way because yes. it might yeah. not look very pretty. Yes. 
Yeah, because I, I love the one of the concepts that I tell everybody, um, uh, again, Akita, Akita-ism, is uh, your stage plan doesn't matter, is if you can't execute it, is what you're saying. Like, you yeah. can have the best stage plan in the world, but it doesn't matter if you can't execute it. So part of that class that I really appreciate, um, uh, Akita, you'll remember Linda Mitchell. Oh, she yeah. Of, yeah. So Linda was a competitive uh, horseback rider, a uh, very successful one, which means she got bucked off a horse quite a few times. So she had some hardware in her body. She can't move the same way I can move, period. She's locked and mm-hmm. she's got metal in her body. Well, Kita can be like, hey, um, we're going to find a way for you to efficiently move your body and your stuff. It's not, this is my GM way of doing it, so you got to do it or don't. It was, here's the way Linda is going to move through this stage. And guess what? Linda got two seconds off her stage, just like uh, everybody else did in that thing. So I it's wanna, like- I want to yeah. bring up Nos because we, we had a guy called Nos in our, in our class and he had a prosthetic leg in a yes. farming accident. I was like, well, this is how you are going to run the stage. And it's different from everyone else yes. because this works better for you. Yes. I think it took off like four or five seconds. Yes. It was a awesome. lot. Yeah. So he just, he didn't really know how to use his prosthetic. Yes. And that's what I taught people as a nurse. Bingo. So I was able to apply that to his particular situation. Yeah. And same thing with Linda. Yes. After people have injuries like that as a nurse, that's what I did. I taught yes. them how to move their bodies efficiently yeah. so I can apply that to shooting. Yeah. And then that, that's actually what I was going to lead to is in the last summer, uh, we had you out twice, right? Um, first time yeah. was just a normal class. The second time was an advanced movement class. And I, I, his name escapes me. It began with a K. I know that for sure. Kareem, oh, yes. He also had, he a also had a prosthetic. Leg. And you said the same thing. It's not so much that we're going to change what you do. We're going we're gonna to teach you how to use this better. And he was a PCC shooter. He was actually a tactical guy. He was not a competitive guy. He Kareem, was coming from, yeah, Kareem, yes. yes. He was coming from a field craft uh, style class where they're just focused on tactics and movement and the application-based stuff, not the shooting. So he came to Kita to learn how to move better. And oh my God, did it make a difference? It made a big difference in learning, in, in leaning back on the, the nursing side of things that she taught right. people how to move with prosthetics. She taught people how to move after accidents and it worked. It was cool. And I, I actually, I could send you a video. It just popped up from like a year ago now. But it was it was it was cool to see him moving around with his PCC. And a, a big thing that I show people is movement is a lot to do with uh, starting and stopping. And that's a big part of people learning your your class. It's not the running and shooting; it's the getting in and out of positions. And that's the hardest part, often. Yeah, and he had this massive energy leak in the way he was using his prosthetic because mm-hmm. it's very different if it's above the knee. And his was above the knee. So he was mm-hmm. basically using his hip to throw that prosthetic mm-hmm. rather than using the prosthetic the way it's meant to be used. So we mm-hmm. went over that, changed the angle. It was impacting the ground and it was mm-hmm. complete well, 180 different. in yeah. his movement. Yeah. Where Nas had a below the knee. So for him, it was much easier to gain a lot faster yeah. Because it's just easier to learn how to move that where Kareem, yeah. it, it's going to take more time. Yes. But I have seen just full, full, I, I mean, I've seen Kareem come along and keep shooting online and stuff. And yes, it shows. So it's cool. It's cool to see. So. Yeah. I, I mean, that's so satisfying for me to see mm-hmm. that and see all that time come up. I mean, that's what we do as instructors. Yes. That it's yeah. so rewarding. Yes. I say that all the time is my best thing ever is getting that text. Like I just went to a class, like, or I just did this. Yes. Or I'm like, yes. like that feels so much better anymore. It's, it's so much cooler. Grant, you had some questions for Sam, right? I do. Sorry, I wrote them down. Um, okay. So you are more, so you got into the competitive side and you went more into the tactical self-defense side, correct? Mm-hmm. And that's more what you focus on. But 
you're obviously taking your tactical quote self-defense gun to matches yes. do you yes. understand the limitations of that and you adjust your kind of you know uh, progress and outcome accordingly or are you still trying to gun for the win no i, I i'm there for the carry optics win i'm there with a okay. glock 19 with a vortex venom on it and it's a stock gun and i'm trying to win and the you have to beat me to take the win and that's part of why i do what i do is the gun is working for me and Keita mentioned it earlier you very rarely find the limits of a gun my uh my joke becomes as much as we argue about the capabilities of guns what do we often argue the accuracy right uh what is a 1911 it's a one moa gun right uh what is a glock it's a five moa gun yeah but but what are you i'm about 10 moa what, what about you <laughs> like i don't i don't know I, I don't know anybody else who actually is like a five moa shooter so, right. so I really don't focus on the gear holding anybody back. Now, that being said, you can't go out there with a high point or, or some, some tourist piece of crap that doesn't run, but you have a reliable gun that holds an accuracy standard and you have gear that works every single time. I am going to be in a CQB class a week from uh, next, uh, two weeks from today with a bunch of SWAT dudes running the same gear that I took down to nationals. I'll just have a plate carrier on. So for me, it's also a uh, crossover training. I get more reps in. <laughs> I, don't have a, I don't have a special set of gear. I get more reps in. I'm always using the same gear. I put it in my pants and I carry it around and I, I also shoot with it. That's yeah, something I okay. really like. Oh, sorry, I just want to like, because Glock is, um, okay. So I competed in it with a Glock 35 in standard for many yes. years. And uh, I recently switched over to production with a Beretta 92X mm. performance. Mm. And um, it does, okay, so I don't know if it's 90 or 95%. I'm not 100% sure on that. But when you reach that level, the little improvements in gear actually start to make that 1% or 2% difference. Yes. And you start to see that when you compete. And yes. when I switched to the, the single action trigger and the heavier gun and in nine more, like it, my shooting started to really get better. Mm. Yes, there was a dip in performance because I'm just not used to the index. Yes. But now that it's coming back, it's just, it, it's just so much easier to shoot a gun like that as opposed to because I mean with a Glock you're always you're always going to be fighting it. It's a plastic gun. It's. I think it, that's it's, the the my where my my background of shooting comes in is what's normal for me is a Glock 19. So when I touch other guns, it's not that they're better or worse. That's not what I'm arguing. It's like the, the nature of it. It's like the natural of like when I pick up a Glock, that's what it feels like. When I return to zero, that's what it feels like it's it's purely the reps in and then because i teach on the other side i have the other half of my reps are set in like the basics of shooting and what do most people buy and come out with right glocks so i end up teaching on glocks using glocks relating to glocks from the beginner up through swat military and the only people that really don't talk about glocks are this little sliver of competitors so it's like um it's a weird place for me to be because I have a, a toe in both pools, right? Like I, I, I definitely, I see the merits of both. Uh, I, my, my joke is if Glocks were erased tomorrow, I would just pick up a Shadow too and never think about it. I love them. I think they're great guns. They point naturally. I can feel the difference in ergonomics. They're great. They're wonderful. But I, I also can do everything with my Glock 19. I can do with, uh, I, full disclosure, I bought a, um, a Hayes Custom. Uh, it was a Rock Island Armory, but it was a 1911 for three gun. Uh, two and a half pound single action trigger, you know, all the, all the stuff on it, all the, the good and bad and ugly and all the good stuff for three gun. My um, end of the season, we'll call it synopsis was cool. It didn't do anything. My Glock 34 didn't do what it did do 
is for three weeks, I had extractor problems. And that well, was enough. 1911. Yeah. So that was enough to be like, you know what? I will stick with blocks because that little tiny percentage of performance that I get, that tiny little thing of performance that people argue, I see past with all the other advantages I get in Glock with the serviceability, reliability, and all the other things that I just, I have a better running gun 99% of the time. And I'm not talking yeah. crap about any guns. I always like to say that. I like other guns. I'm not a Glock is the best and other guns are bad uh, attitude. I love, the Breda is actually, I was mad how much I liked that gun. JJ bought it out. <laughs> and I was shooting the carry optics version and I was playing the game of like, all right, let me double it and see what happens. Like, let me do what I would tell people never do. Just double tap and see, double tap and see. And I was like, the five yards dead on top of each other. All right, seven yeah. yards on top of each other, 10 yards. Damn it, man, this is a great gun. And I was almost mad about it because it's such a great gun. So I'm not a gun snob. I am very much of the opinion that um, commit to something that fits you for your purpose and run the hell out of it because you're not going to really see the difference in anything until you're talking the sliver of competition shooters who are at 95% and you're mm -hmm. arguing for that top 5% of performance advantage. Which is, yeah. Grant, where you're at. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's well, the I, I, I like so I can see very performance based. Yeah. You, you have to be. You have to be focused on your application and yeah, hundred percent that if you're trying to win your national championship in your country at your division, every half a percentage matters. Yeah. And if you're shooting 3000 rounds a month, you know, it, it, it kind of, you do start to see the difference, the little differences um, in things. If you shoot hundred rounds a month or hundred rounds a year, like, I don't know how, how your gun owners are, yeah. um, but like, you're not going to see nothing. Actually, nothing matters. Just no. go the buy the gun there. Yeah, the data yeah. just isn't there. But yeah, I just want to make the fact that uh, Glock's not the best competition gun, okay? No, 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 no. And I agree with you. I 100% agree with you there. I will say that. It's not the best competition gun. I like to say there's really not a best competition gun. I think there's a best competition gun for every person. I'm not even arguing the competition, the Glock is the best competition gun for me. I think it's the best all-around gun for me. Does that make sense? So yeah. it's yeah, like, no, it's it, very no, it does make a, sense. And, and because here, because you're a tactical other... guy, I want I want to tell you what I do because it gives it gives people the the, the skivvies when when yes. I when I say this because my Glock 35 okay so I put an Overwatch Precision flat face trigger and yep. the trigger bar in. Yep. But what I did was I also drilled a hole and put a pin in the ejector housing, so it was literally on the reset. I disabled basically no all safety. of the Glock internal yeah, safety. There's no safety. Yeah. It's like you're carrying that gun. It's like it's pointed wherever and there's no safeties on it but yeah. i did that for competition and it didn't make a difference yeah. but why why should you have to do that when you could just buy a gun that's got if, a single action if trigger? you are only going to run that gun in competition i agree with you you should probably yeah. have one suited for competition and competition only so when people come to me because i get that question all the time uh what's the best sites what are you doing with it are you going to do what i do with it where you're going to put it in your pants after nationals and carry it back from alabama to new jersey because you're going to need different sights than what Grant's going to need on his gun. You just are. You're going to need a different yeah. gun. You're going to need a different trigger. You're going to need a different holster. You're going to need a different everything, you know? It's, it's application-based. I like Glocks, personally. Um, I would probably shoot, if I had to, to rig out a competition rig, if I had to say 100%, this is the only thing I'm going to shoot this season, it's going to be for competition, it's going to be for the, the national win, I'd shoot a CZ. I would. I'd shoot a CZ. A Beretta as well. I like that Beretta, but I personally would shoot a CZ. So I... I I see your point. I understand. I understand that whole point. Now, when I'm in two weeks, when I'm down in a plate carrier and wrestling with people, I'm going to have a blue Glock on. So I want the munitions Glock to feel exactly like the Glock I compete with and the Glock I carry. 
So it's I'm a weird I'm a weirdo, and I acknowledge. No, but it's, also, it's, it's also it's also a training thing because obviously my competition gun is a Broda ninety two in. Oh, we lost uh, you. Grant's frozen. Okay, as long as it's not me. It was me last time. That's why <laughs> I was like in the car driving, and the audio was terrible. It was my fault last time. So, uh, something I I'm going to go back to your teaching. Something I really like about your teaching is that you're not one of those guys who's saying, "Well, this is what I do, and this works, so just do it," mm -hmm. with no mm -hmm. explanation. You actually back it up you have yes. an explanation for why you're teaching what you're teaching. Yes. And I also really like, and think this is rare, that you can remember back to being a beginner or at least relate to people who are yes. beginners and you know what they're thinking and what they need to hear yes. and where to go next. So I relate a lot of what you're saying is uh, from being a junior shooter, uh, not even from, you could be in the sport for a hundred years. Uh, but if you entered as an 18-year-old, you're always treated the same way, and you were treated as an adult. Um, when I was a kid, it was odd. Uh, you got into the sport, and everybody wanted to help you. Uh, everybody had a hand on the pot. Everybody had something to say. Everybody's in your ear. So that was the first thing I noticed, is I kind of have to calm down <clears throat> and make sure I'm not overloading new shooters, because they hear so much from so many angles. Well, number two is once you got proficient as a kid, everybody got real crass. Uh, once I started beating adults as a 14-year-old, those adults turned mean and nasty and they were cannibalizing their own sport and it was hard to get information out of those people and you run we into those people. yeah you run into those people in the competitive field so as a coach i've kind of been able to identify like the opposite is like i want a kid to beat my ass that's what i want if i'm a good coach i want a kid to come out of nowhere and never have touched a gun and by the end of the summer i want him to be better than me that's the attitude that I keep in all the stuff I do. And I think that helps me a lot in what you're saying. And I don't have a, this is the way I do it. So do it my way and shut up. Cause that's didn't work for me as a kid. It didn't. The coaches I remember growing up were the ones who were willing to talk to me. Now I also remember the terrible guy with the English accent who was screaming and slamming my head down on the sporting clay stock because it wasn't down far enough. Cause I remember him as being the worst coach ever because he was just repeating a line, put your wood on the wood, put your, put your head on the stock. Put your wood on the wood. But I remembered so hard that that guy made me not want to shoot sporting clays. He made me not want to be there that day. He made me not want to listen to anything he said, even if the rest of what he said was valuable. I didn't want to listen to him anymore. So it's very much that Mr. Miyagi coaching, like you have to be mental as much as anything. It's you have to make somebody feel good, understand what they're doing, uh, empower them as much as tell them the right information. Obviously, the right information needs to be there, but you need to relay it to them in a confident way. I think you do a really good job of explaining things in a way people that people will understand, but also not overwhelming them with too much at a time. So you do the frequent groups where they keep coming back and get just enough yes. that they can work on that process mm -hmm. that, and then give them a little bit more the next time without overloading them with too yes. much. Yeah. So my USPSA, like my Wednesday class, for example, it's the same six to eight guys. And my whole goal becomes work on a skill a week. And what I'm doing that week is presenting three stages that have that skill in it. So we could talk about it, uh, try it live. And what I'm doing in the back of my head is I'm watching, what are they all doing poorly in a good way? What are they all doing poorly amongst them? Because next week, that's what we're going to work on. So that's why I like to refer to myself as the whole personal trainer bit, because when you're a CrossFit trainer, when you're a personal trainer, you don't go like a, a successful power lifter doesn't go to the gym once a month and lift for four hours, right? What does he do? He goes every day, 
and he works on a different skill every single day and he looks back and he judges his progress and that's what i'm there for people i want to help people understand that that's what the gun pro progress is it's not about going one nra class a month it's not about going to one key to class a year and never applying it forward it's about always applying it always practicing it feedback application feedback application identifying failures uh the the group i had out on um they were we were it was snowing it was 20 mile an hour winds they were a, a hardcore group on saturday and um uh what what ended up happening is I, I told them treat yourself like a dog you ever train a dog they're like yeah i was like well when something goes well yay good boy yay acknowledge why it was good like why did i get that treat if it's bad just identify what was bad don't beat the dog just say no you know so a lot of what we need to start doing is identifying stuff consistently and just honestly it's not any more complicated than that it's not any more complicated well kiddo, kiddo does do that when you do something wrong on the range you'll go no yeah, yeah and that's good it's you you shouldn't just be like okay good that's not no. what you should do though because mentally when you hear okay good after you've done a bad thing that's not good that's not a good thing you should hear stop that's not what we want to do. Now, I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to yell at you. She's not going to actually physically punch you in the face, but she's going to say, no, don't do that. You're going to replace it with a productive thought. So you just, uh, I think you just shared uh, Steve Anderson's link like a moment before we did this podcast. And I think he's mm -hmm. a great example of that is yeah. about mindset stuff. It's a lot of mindset stuff. It's a lot about that efficiency stuff is have productive thoughts. Identify though, when you're having bad thoughts. So where can people find you if they want to take a class from you? So I'm based out of the Poconos in general is what I like to say. Um, I'm in uh, near Mount Pocono in a private little range called Double Eagle. Um, I'm on all consolidated now on CallahanTrainingGroup.com though. That's where my booking is. Uh, my shirts are. I just released a new uh, little metric target that you can shoot at for dry fire. You can do it three yards and test your merit kind of thing. But I'm all CallahanTrainingGroup.com. I'm based out of the Poconos, but I live in New Jersey. So if you're anywhere in the tri-state and you are into guns, you can find me. And I highly recommend if you plan on taking a smart move class or a train smart class, go see Sam first because he will get you set up and sort of yes. prime you yeah. to retain more information while I'm there. Yeah. One of the advantages I have at the range that I work at is um, it's a private range for instructors only. It's not a public range. So oftentimes I have access to multiple pits which means I have stages set up. We are going to run stages. You might come out for a three hour lesson and we're gonna have one stage we're gonna to beat to death. We might have five stages we're gonna to beat to death that day, but whatever we're gonna do, it's gonna be a lot different than just going to like an indoor range and doing a class or going to some outdoor range and doing a, a class on one single or two single targets. We're gonna be really hammering a lot of stuff and you're gonna leave really understanding what you're good and bad at, which is a good thing to me. Like I said, going back to the dog training, I wanna make sure that you're training yourself like you know what I'm bad at. Yeah, the way, the way people learn best is, like you said, you don't go and do it for four hours all at once. You go do a little bit, little bit. each day. Mm -hmm. And that's just bit. how people learn. Yep. So that way, if you're working with Sam a little bit, little bit, little bit, then when I get there, you at least have a good general understanding. And then we can really push it to the next yes. level. Yeah, I like we'll to get make much more out of it. Yes. I, I want the USPSA stuff to be super subconscious so that you can think about the key to application. That's my whole goal. I want the game of USPSA to be, yep, got it. I know exactly what I'm doing. I can actually think about what Keita's saying. I'm not worried about, can I do that thing? Have I seen that? Can I do that? I don't really know what she's talking about. No, I've done it before. I've seen it before. That's the whole, that's what I'm up to. That's, that's my whole goal. Grant, did you drop your phone? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Sorry, no, the, the power went out, so I had to kind of make oh, a no. backup plan. <laughs> oh, that's what happened. All right. 
it's Africa. We get power cuts all the time. Gotcha. <laughs> um, here soon enough. <laughs> oh, yeah, tell Sam about your power cuts. Um, well, basically, we it's called load shedding, where you'll get a power cut for basically two hours almost every day. You just won't have power. Do they tell you when it's um, coming? They just they just throw the they lights. They do on. have it. They do have a schedule, um, but sometimes, obviously, because the infrastructure was never designed to be switched off and on, because uh, you know power is kind of like a constant thing. Okay. So everything breaks and cables get stolen for the copper and the lead, and it's uh, it's a mess. Yeah. It's the same thing everywhere anymore. We'll be, <laughs> we'll be there soon enough. I'm scared for it. Well, yeah, maybe maybe it's time to dig out all the zombie apocalypse books and. Uh, get what were the, we watching last night? The... We watched the Hunger Games last night, and I was like, "This is eerie, man. This is really eerie. <laughs> this is really eerie. All the the the. This is very creepy right now. I don't like this. It's giving me future vibes. So I no, don't... have you watched Have you watched Squid Games on Netflix? Yeah, same thing. I'm watching this, and I'm like, Are they yeah, that that's totally. I'm thinking, to you know, that happens. That happens somewhere. Oh yeah, so well, I'm glad your power's back on at least. I have a gas light and I have my phone, but usually when the power goes off for the area, the cell phone towers, the battery backups have either been stolen or they're so old they've never been replaced, so we'll pretty much lose signal within yeah, half an wow, hour. That's, so that's crazy. you have me for a bit, and then we don't have any cell phone reception until gotcha. the power comes back on. Interesting. Okay, back to guns. One one <laughs> last thing I want to want to discuss with you okay so obviously tactical side the new hotness is red dots on carry guns even the small very hard to shoot little 365 things yes what do you think of that oh i love this question so much so i'll start off with saying kita has seen the gun i have a glock 19 gen 3 that i mounted in 2016 with a vortex venom uh, i shoot for vortex i love vortex does it still love work it. i will grab it for you i shot it yesterday uh, it's sitting, it's, I was dry firing it. It's like eight feet away from me. It's right there. So um, it's got no paint left on it. There's no markings left on it. The, the top of the optic that should be a nice arc is like tick, 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 from all the brass hitting it works fine. So I got lucky. Uh, I learned a lot of lessons though. So let me go back. What happened was the, the red dots on pistol thing was coming out red dots. Uh, there wasn't even an option for it in USPSA yet. This was pre carry optics. I just wanted to do it because I like video games and i was like ah red dot and a pistol like that sounds nifty so <laughs> instead of it being like uh this is going to be the future i made a gun i made that glock 19 specifically like a stupid gun i was like let me let me just run a red dot pistol for six months without touching iron sights and i'm just going to give everybody else the data of how good or bad it makes me i thought it was going to make me terrible that was my honest to god opinion i thought after this six months i was going to be garbage at production i shot production division my whole life so Six months of iron sights, pulled out my Glock 34, first shot. And I'm like, wait a second, there's my sights. What the hell just happened? What just <laughs> happened? So basically I, I tricked myself into realizing that you're subconsciously drawing, seeing your sights and fixing them on the way out. You don't realize it, but it's happening. Why? Because you're trained to, there's my target. When I'm done identifying my target, I'm going to focus to my front sight. So on my draw, I'm focusing on my sights and fixing them and I'm putting them in front of me. Well, you don't get to do that with the red dot. If the window is not aligned, there's no red dot. I don't know where they are. So I accidentally coached myself to have a perfect presentation for six months. So the other thing I accidentally did was I was a machinist. So there was no, um, there's no way I was doing a Glock MOS plate mounting system because as a machinist, that is stacking tolerances. I'm not going to plus or minus a, a hundredth of a, and I'm not a hundredth and a hundredth and a hundredth. I'm not going to do it. it. It gave me nightmares as a machinist. So I, just, <laughs> I direct mounted my, my pistol. I just, I called primary machine at the time. 
uh, primary machine was still doing cuts for Vortex. I don't even think they do them anymore, but it was, I sent a slide out for like a hundred bucks. I sent it back in like three weeks. Cause they're like, yeah, weirdo here. Nobody's doing this. Uh, it was a direct mill. It had a good pocket. It had um, good threaded studs in there and everything held so solid that what is it? Six years later, seven years later, it, it, it's hammering away. No problem. So I learned a lot from this. A red dots will make you better at drawing your pistol and keeping your pistol in front of your face Two, if you mount it properly, you will never have a problem. So I say that because I had a red dot class I taught in, um, I want to say July of this year, maybe August of this year. And of all the people on the line, I had one red dot failure. The one red dot failure, it hit him in the forehead like it always does. One red dot failure, I asked him and I knew what the answer was going to be. When did you mount that? This morning. Did, did you use a torque wrench? What's a torque wrench? Oh did no. You, did you use Loctite? I don't have any Loctite. So it's like, yeah, if you don't mount the red dot properly to a gun, you can't depend on it. Just like you can't depend right. on sights if you mount them improperly. That being said, this season, last season, 2021, I, I taught a number of classes. That's what I do. I teach classes. That's the red dot. The one red dot I saw go down all year long. I saw a couple SROs, like their emitter break, not the red dot itself breaks, like just, just the gamer stuff. What I saw though was six different front sights go orbital. They were, they were stock guns, uh, Walther, CZ, stock guns, orbital, gone, no front sight, no way to aim the gun now, right? So I've seen one red dot go out. I've seen six to seven front sights go off. For some reason, nobody talks about those front sights. So for some reason, everybody's cool with that. Ah, no, no, it's not. It doesn't matter. We're just going to ignore that as an anomaly, but we're going to hammer to death how bad it is when a red dot goes out and I'm going to post the Reddit thread about how bad it is. You know, I don't know what the deal is, but everybody hated on the red dots. Now, if you mount it correctly, the technology has caught up and now we have hardy, hardy red dots. The Vortex Razor, you, you pretty damn indestructible. The rest of my team, uh, Modern Material, they all shoot hollow suns. Oh my God, mm -hmm. those things, you could hit people in the face with them. They're amazing. Yeah, uh, I have a hollow sun. Yeah, if you mount good dots properly, there's no argument. There's just no argument for the disadvantages of red dot anymore because you could put suppressor height sights on. I could still have an iron sight option. I have two sights instead of one. I always see that as an advantage. That's the three gunner way, right? I, I want two is one, one is none. It's just, I always want more. So there being variables to the red dot, you need to mount it properly and it needs to be a decent red dot. I think they're great options. Now, now that you could buy a slide cut from every single company and you could buy a decent optic from Amazon or Holosun, there's no option. There, there's no like argument for it anymore in my opinion, other than I don't want to go to a red dot division. So I do think shooting a red dot actually helps your visual processing speed i think you start to see or be more aware of what you're seeing yes not that you weren't seeing it before but now you're able to sort of process it faster i see what you're saying it's um the concept of people is it's not that it's faster to shoot a red dot it's that you're doing less i'm just looking at the target i'm looking downrange so i'm thinking downrange i'm not so much micromanaging the thoughts back and forth where i may over analyze a site and skip a thought downrange that's where a lot of the iron sight deficiencies come out, right? It's, 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 I'm a step behind my speed of sight. That's kind of like what ends up happening. Well, if I have one less step to do with my red dot, then I could kind of think faster. It's not so much that my shooting is faster because I'm pulling the trigger faster. It's that my, my mental acumen is there. Like I can, I can see, I could process. There's more, my vision is more open. I don't have to keep looking back and forth. It makes people understand the pattern of their gun, the recoil of their gun things like that. And then when you slap the iron sight version of their gun back in their hands, they're just more comfortable with it. They understand it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And with the red dot, you're doing a lot of target focused shooting at farther distances. So I think a lot of guys will go from like carry optics to production and they keep on doing it. So where it used to be, oh, beyond 12 to 15 yards or so, you can't shoot target hard focus. Yeah. Yeah. Hard front sight yeah, focus. Yeah. That's the way it's always been done. And now all of a sudden with this switching back and forth, People are pushing yeah. that. Yeah. If you've ever taken a Tim Heron class, way out there. yeah, take a Tim Heron class and let him blow your mind and shoot at 25 yards, looking at your rear sight basically, and shoot a group. And you're like, oh, okay. So my sights aren't really that important. Got it. Yeah. And that <laughs> used to be like, it used to yeah. be common knowledge that you switch to a hard front sight focus beyond 15 yep. yards or whatever, yep. or even at 15 yards. Yep. And now so, it's gone, it's been disproven. Yeah. And that's why I like what you are doing, what Tim Heron's doing, what Steve Anderson's doing. Uh, you guys are thinking like beyond the old ways of, of what we used to do. And that's kind of why I like and, t- and promote your class so much. The competition shooters are no longer thinking about how can I gain an advantage on this shot? It's how do I gain an advantage on this shot and every shot in between right to the end. So it's got to be a lot of thought process beyond all the little things. It's got to be the gun handling. It's got to be how, to, how, how t- perfectly can I get my gun aligned in front of my face every time? So if a red dot helps that, then you're going to help your game overall. So we're kind of just thinking beyond those hard little tropes of you have to do this and you have to do that. And just thinking of what's my objective. Is there a better way to accomplish that objective? Is there cool? Why is, why can I prove it? Cause you're doing it on the clock. You're writing right. books about it. We're teaching classes. You guys are producing grandmasters. You know what I mean? Like there's data behind what we're doing. It's no longer a, this is what the army taught me. Cause I, the, the, this is the old way that answer makes me want to choke people. It just kills me. Like I can't stand that answer anymore because it doesn't get backed up by data and all of us guys uh guys ladies too all of us people all of us competitive shooters we're we're nerds we're, we're data nerds we're nerds at what we do now it's guns so it's cool so you don't think of us nerds like glasses and computers but we're nerds about data about grip about if you have something to show me that'll like change the way my trigger resets and the way my finger moves and mechanic i will sit there with my eyes so big and i'll be taking notes like i'm a nerd i'm a nerd about all this stuff so we are nerdy what, what do nerds do they push the envelope they push the they push into the future the bill gates is not exactly a a cool guy but he's changed the future right so gun nerds are going to be the people us people analyzing every little tiny data point of this is going to be the big change in everything in my opinion yeah the the other thing i don't like is well this is what i do and it works for me okay well why why like why okay so you're doing that and it works for Mm -hmm. you and if that's what you're doing, then you should be looking at, well, why does it work for me? Mm-hmm. And it's fine that, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you're showing people and that it does work for you. But wouldn't you at yeah. least be curious? Yeah. Why is it Want to try and figure that out? <laughs> we've, we've talked about this too, about my stupid head alignment, because I'm cross-eye dominant and I shoot a lot of three guns. So I am very used to mounting every gun like this. Mm-hmm. So I put a gun in front of my face like this. My head doesn't move. I would never teach somebody because I put my head and chin here and you do this. What I teach people is what is your shooting stance? Now put your gun away. Now put your gun in front of your face. However you accomplish that is how you accomplish that. So instead of saying you have to look like me and you got to put your chin here and you got to do this, we're going to break it down to why am I successfully hitting an alpha in point eight? It's because nothing's moving but my hands. So I'm going to teach you to do that to your best ability. Yeah. So you're your neck basically disappears when you shoot. And Mm -hmm. I think that's just for consistency. Just like you said, you want to be able to pick up whatever gun is laying on the ground and be able Mm -hmm. to shoot it efficiently. Mm -hmm. And for you, a Glock just kind of works with everything that you do. 
-hmm. I think it's the same thing with the way you hold your head sort exactly. of down and forward. Yeah. It works for so many of the things that you do that it's yes. not worth it for you yes. to change it for one little thing. And now that being said, so you know, there's kind of uh, the whole, you've, you've noticed it, you've probably noticed that the risers are happening. Those, those uh, optics risers are happening. Oh yeah. So what's cool is now I'm actually, my, that argument for me is going away and I can start to learn to shoot a little bit better because I'm moving to a 193 riser. So I'm stopped crunching down so hard because I'm a left eye dominant shooter. So I have to almost close my left eye to get my right eye behind the gun. So now if I can get my head up a little higher, well, I can learn to shoot my pistol up a little bit higher. It's been working for me. So there is reasons behind all this madness beyond just this is the way I do it. Now I can, the, the, the same excuse is my head is like this because it's, it's the same across all the platforms. Well, now I can pick my head up and have it the same across all my platforms. Good for me, right? I started shooting an open gun so I don't have to mount up a shotgun anymore like this. I can sit up and shoot an AR platform shotgun now. So I can kind of change everything a little bit more and benefit myself not only in the competition world, but across all the things. So it's not a do this because the way JJ looks like, or do it because this is the way that, that national champion looks. I'm doing it because it applies across absolutely all my shooting. It makes me a more efficient shooter. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier to transition yeah. more efficiently. But yes. now you're basically changing your index for everything. And it's a big learning curve. Going to take some work. Yeah. Yeah. Going to take some work. My, my draw is probably going to suffer. Yeah. It'll, it'll probably suffer. My, my first shot engagement will suffer for a little bit. Now it'll come back you'll figure it out. But right. Yeah. 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 It's going to take some work. Yeah. Anytime you find something you can improve on, you're, you're going to see an initial yeah. drop in performance. You should. Yes. And that's normal. It's just going to be yeah. up and down and it should look that way. Otherwise mm -hmm. you're not learning anything. You're not trying anything new. You're yes. not getting outside your comfort zone. Yes. And I think that's part of like, I, I like that we mentioned fitness and all this, because going back to that, that's a lot of why I encourage people to go and do CrossFit and stuff, go and be comfortable failing and learning and failing and learning and failing and learning. Take a step back, improve your technique so you could lift more in the future. It's exactly what I'm trying to do right now. I'm just trying to take a step back, improve my technique, slow down my speed, AKA take some weight off the bar, figure out what I'm doing so that I can lift more in the future, AKA have a better draw. You know, like it all is the same thing to me. I, I view it all the same way. So I'm, I'm a weirdo and I made it all my life and that's all I live and breathe, but that's how I see most of everything now. Do you have any sponsors you want to talk about? I, yeah, I would love to. So um, <laughs> my, my people, first and foremost, uh, Double Eagle Outdoors is my uh, range that I shoot out of in the Poconos. They uh, were the very nice to me. Like They're like my second family, basically. They invited me up when my range closed in White House that you shot at. So uh, that's my Pocono spot. Uh, gun Sitters is another good, good friend of mine. If you need any kind of offsite gun storage, if you need any kind of transfer, they do all that kind of stuff. I shoot for Vortex Optics. I uh, mentioned that. But my local people, uh, Modern Material Rifles are a big sponsor of mine. I love these guys. They are huge proponents of competition. They supply law enforcement rifles. They're made in New Jersey. They do everything out of New Jersey. I'm a New Jersey guy, so that speaks to me. They have a PCC they just released. It's one of the only functioning PCCs out of the box that I've ever run. So it's like JP and Modern Material. That's like what I see out of the box. Uh, Lose Firearms uh, out of Raritan, New Jersey. They are the best, hands down, the best gun shop in New Jersey period. They have the best things for building, best pistol, best selection ever. And it's in a tiny little place across from the best pizza in New Jersey now. So just a little thing. Um, Targets USA. I know, you know, Jason up in uh, Alaska there. He yeah. is a supporter of our sport. He is a big supporter of uh, my club, Double Eagle. So I'd like to thank him as well. Dry Fire Mag, um, Glock guy, but now for SIG, uh, now for a bunch of other stuff. If you're a Dry Fire person, Dry Fire Mag is big, um, even bigger Dry fire, um, I'm sorry, Shooters Global is that timer I'm sure you've seen me being used. Mm -hmm. uh, Shooters Global is 
I mentioned them last for a reason here. Um, I think they're going to be changing the game as far as what we do. So the commander and shooters global are the two people who I've seen finally actually innovate the timer. And mm-hmm. what's the biggest tool we use? Mm-hmm. Right? What's, the, what's the thing you probably touch the most other than your gun is your timer. So um, shooters global is a new smart timer that I've been leaning on heavily that uh, they actually supported me going to nationals as well. They're one of the nicest companies I've ever, ever worked with. Uh, they shoot Ipsic out of Poland as well. So they're very into all of the shooting sports. And uh, if you need a new way to train, a new way to time yourself uh, on and off the range, that is the way. They can help you with absolutely everything. There's more features than I can even list right here. So Yeah, when um, we, but- had, um, we had Caesar on, Robert Caesar. Yes. So he actually sells those timers in his shop. We, I, he so explained it on the show yeah. before. There, there's so much. Yeah, I couldn't go into all the details, but they're huge. And then my last sponsor that I always like to go into, Outer Eggs Pomade, veteran owned. But the reason my hair always looks the same and my beard always looks the same is Outer Eggs. And I love these guys. They're uh, big supporters out of Colorado, but veteran owned company. Uh, they're cool guys. So if you ever need to go through any of those companies, Callahan 10, just my last name, 10 gives you a percentage off of any of those companies basically but i'm i don't ever pick up sponsors for the vanity of sponsors i normally am supporting them for two or three years and we come to an agreement so i also like to just like have a little disclaimer at the bottom of any of my people that i fully believe and endorse these people before they ever got picked up as sponsors i buy their product and use it for at least a year before i ever reach out so pixie calls that new jersey hair whenever we're at an an airport an international airport she goes that person is going to New Jersey yep, or came from New Jersey. Yep. And she'll we'll play this game where we follow them to their gate just to Get see. The and sure enough, they're yep. going to Newark. Yep. yep. Uh, I wish that that wasn't our terminal, but unfortunately it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, 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 you, I've literally apologized. Be like, just close your eyes for the next 20 minutes while we leave Newark. And then I'll tell you <laughs> when to start looking at New Jersey again. Just, just, yeah. But. But yeah, thank thank you for letting me mention those guys. They're all huge supporters of mine. As I mentioned, this is what I do full time now. It's a weird life. It's a cool life. It's amazing. I never planned to do it though. So it's awesome to be supported. But yeah, it's it's awesome to be supported by other companies that believe in what you do. And uh, it's cool to be supported by other people like you. And thank you for having me on. And obviously supporting us. Where can people find you? Yeah, so callahantraininggroup.com is my website. I put everything I have on there for booking. I am based out of the Northeast in general. I am willing to travel anywhere within three hours in New Jersey to help you get better with firearms. So I'm committed to my people if you commit to me. That is my promise to you. So callahantraininggroup.com is my website. Wonderful. Hey, you need to tell us what classes you have coming up. Oh, yes, thank you. So I have a pistol class coming up at the end of February, a handgun progression, as I call it, taking you from just bought my gun on day one to proficiency. Day two is taking you to USPSA speed. So if you're looking to like get into a Kita class or any of the other classes, that's the one I'd recommend. And then in this order, I'm going to have Tim Heron, Steve Anderson, Kita Bussy, and then Ben Steger all at my range at various months, at various dates. It's all on my website, but I'm having a lot of big people out this year. Uh, JJ is a drum roll right now. I'm waiting for his date. And then if you're ever into the Chris Costa Fieldcraft survival side of things, we have, I want to say, a dozen of those dates this summer as well. So doubleeagle.com or callahantraininggroup.com would be your best bet. Wonderful. Thank you so much, much. Sam. Thank you for remembering. Yeah. All right. Have a good one.